Hello there. <laughs> this is the Uniformed Handball Hour, brought to you by Brian Campion, Christopher Riley, and Alex Kulesh. And today on the podcast, we're going to give all the teams, not all the teams, all the teams from Group A in the Champions League, a grade, like in school, like it's midterm. And we're going to give you give all the teams a grade from A to, yes, F, depending on how well we think they did. Yeah, not, yeah, oh, not the not terrible the, German 1 to 6 style. Forget well, that. What no. did they do in Denmark? Is it ABC or is it 1, 2, 3? I think it's it's 1, 2, 3, 4, so it oh, goes along that gosh. level. But um, let, oh. let's stick with the... You know, everyone knows what an A is and everyone knows what an F is, so we can stick with that. A is good. F is fail. Yes. E is also fail. But I've I've given mine like A minus B plus that yeah, stuff. Of course. Very, very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it didn't really sit right, it was just like an A. I was like, Yeah, oh, yeah. Well. It's a bit more nuanced. Exactly, yeah. 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 Okay. We'll see how many D minuses we hand out here today. <laughs> but yeah, it's good good to be good to be talking about uh, the men's side of handball uh again we kind of we had the women's euros which was fully engrossing uh really good fun and good to focus back on the champions league on the men's side which which kept going in the meantime uh and continues to truck on so uh i'm excited to delve into the teams yeah we're now nine rounds in it's one round left before the end of 2022 and the international break so it's a good time to to check in now that everyone has played each other as well at least once so i think it's a it's a good time to get a feel for where these teams are uh, how do we do we want to do it do you want to like do group a and then top to bottom how about that i think yeah we start at number one place group a and work our way down okay and then uh, pr- progressively get shorter maybe as oh, we really? get <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> less to say as they get worse uh, or maybe more to say as they get worse depending on how we how we uh, do it. But okay, let's start with PSG then. Mm-hmm. PSG top of Group A. 11 wins, one loss in the French League. And then only eight, eight uh, not only, uh, eight wins and one loss in the Champions League. So I think uh, a pretty good season. I'll start maybe. I gave them just a straight A. No okay. A minus, no A plus, just A. Why is that? Why is that? Um, I think they're probably a lot more likable of a... Uh, PSG teams than PSG teams of, of past. I think we've seen people like Luke Steins, Yannick Green, Shipshack on the line, who I've literally wrote his name down here in my notes as Shipshack because yeah. I can't be, I can never spell that name Super. and I'll never be able to spell it for the rest of my life. Top scorer in the Champions League, Camille Shipshack, 66 goals and redefining ridiculous. of what a line player is. You know, he now takes seven meters, very good at them. And in that last game, he even gave a beautiful behind-the-back pass into the wings. So he is doing it all, and he's been a real revelation for them. MVP of the season so far. In preparation for this last round, just looking through all the stats, and couldn't believe he was top. Mm. I was like, what? What is going Because PSG are a team that have snuck up on me this season because I haven't paid... Uh, since the beginning of the season, haven't paid too much attention to them because they're kind of just like doing their thing. They haven't... 
they haven't had a disaster the winning the games they're supposed to so they've kind of been on my kind of like I treat Norway at the beginning of women's championships they're kind mm. of just there doing their thing but Shipshack top scorer and Danis Kristapans as the second highest scorer with 53 and 78% scoring percentage is absolutely phenomenal because that is that we haven't seen that in at least two years from Kristapans so it is like yeah, it's just like the good guys, you know? The big, very, the big, very tall, yeah. good men uh, when they're <laughs> doing their work. And Luke's it's like, I'm the excited to just, see them again live. Yeah, they're, they're just scoring goals at will. You know, they have multiple games where they've reached 40 goals. They have 324 goals in the competition so far across nine games. So they're the top scorers in the whole championship. And I, I just agree. It's been a pleasant surprise. I think... Uh, there was a bit of talk of this kind of demise of PSG. You know, their stars leaving a little bit of uncertainty about the future. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're a great team. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, period in September when they had that one loss in the league to Toulouse, and then they, that's when they lost us to, to, to Vesprem. I think they showed a lot of character that they just could put that behind them as well. And... And have looked strong uh, since then. I mean, their wins in the Champions League as well have all been very comfortable. Plus four, plus seven, plus nine, plus seven, plus two, plus five, plus five, plus two. And the t- two closest games were both the games against Porto, which is a bit of a weird one yeah. because Porto, <laughs> uh, we'll get to them a bit later, have been absolutely pretty much rubbish yeah. all season long. But have somehow, I, w- I wouldn't say they have PSG's number because they lost twice, mm. but they have something in their locker to play against a PSG team coming so close and pull off their two best performances this season against PSG. I don't know what it is there. There's a mix of players that somehow works for this Porto team. But otherwise, all the PSG results have been very, very clear and quite dominant. What do you guys think about the goalkeeper pairing and that, how that's gone so far? Yannick Ren and Andreas Palica. They were kind of two completely different points of view in this at the start of the season. Some people were like, this is the most kind of stable and like top goalkeeper pairing you can get. Another view saying like, oh, these guys actually never really deliver all the time. They're kind of up and down. And uh, at the beginning of the season, it seemed like neither of them were really shining. Like both they were winning games almost despite the goalkeeper performances. But what do you think of them so far? Are you impressed with them as a goalkeeper duo? From my perspective, they haven't needed the goalkeepers as much because they've been scoring so many goals. So it, it it hasn't been a real focus, I suppose. You know, the goalkeepers become more important as the tournament progresses, as the competition progresses, and the games go into that knockout period where one exceptional performance can win you a tie, and that's what you need. So um, I, I think it's... I think Yannick Green has impressed me. Uh, probably more than I expected from him. He's kind of come out as the number one goalkeeper uh, for them this season, which I, I was thinking going, it was it was going to be the other way around. Uh, they have split time. They've been pretty equal. But I think Yannick Green has been the the standout there. Um, so I think it's good. They, they really focused on that. Um, they got rid of Vincent Gerard, who's now on the way to uh, Kiel. He got rid of them. Vincent Gerard, you know, he was the one who he's he, bigger than the club. He moved. <laughs> he was the one who made the move to uh, move to San Rafael behind their back uh, when they didn't. When they said they didn't want him, and then he was like, "Well, screw you guys! I'm going to find another club." And then when they wanted him, it was too late. 
that's that's other interesting news. Maybe we can sa- we'll save that for another day. Happy for Vincent, but yeah. Uh, what would you give them overall? Alex? I get I gave them a straight A as well. Okay, I'm going to go for an A minus. Why the minus? Because there's only at the moment one other like real heavyweight team in there, and they lost to them. Yeah, that's the re- I wouldn't give them a straight A for that. Hmm. Uh, I wait to see. Uh, them face against Vesper again and see how they get on. All right, so AA and minus A yeah, for Chris. I'm writing all so, these down as well. Yes, so maybe yeah, we the report card at the end of the exactly the end of the day. Who's next? Vesper, second in the group, of course. Um, I gave them. So I'll tell you what I gave them straight away. I gave them a B minus. Oh no, B plus. Sorry, a B plus uh, for this. I think their overall score maybe was hurt a little bit by that loss to. Zagreb recently, mm-hmm. so I think that's it. Was hurt a lot. I like I <laughs> yeah. it, it, don't don't sugarcoat this. It was hurt. Yeah, a maybe lot it should be being minus actually. To Zagreb. <laughs> like, yeah, I, that that lost them a full like bar for me. Uh, okay, losing to Zagreb, you just can't do that, and losing comprehensively as well. Twenty nine, twenty six. You can do it though, right? Because they're probably still going to finish in the top two, despite that, unless they have a few more of those performances. It is a very, it's quite Vesprem like. They, they do this against lower opposition in the group phase. They kind of have these random performances. Not against Zagreb, mind you. That, that was quite shocking. <laughs> that was quite shocking. But overall, the, the fact that they lose a game like that away from home, you know, they've done it against Porto. They've done it against Dinamo in the past. It's not, not the end of the world, I think, uh, for me. But uh, is there anything that that has impressed you about this team? <clears throat> I think uh, Rasmus Lauga, I think has been has been very good. I think he's had forty four goals now, and I know he he's been back from his injury now quite a while. But somehow it's kind of lingering in your mind that it was such a bad injury. It took him so long to get back to his good form again. It's really great to see him now really like cementing his place back as uh, as the, the the team captain and just dictating everything that they do. So I think he's been good. Um. Valupao, I think, maybe hasn't lit it up like we maybe expected him to. Um, but yeah, so they'd be probably my, my highlight and maybe thing, a place maybe where they could, they could Yeah, actually, the, their their sign, signings didn't have an impress so far. Well, I think Peck, Peck Malbec has been very good. Uh, I think he's been actually a revelation for them, very strong defensively as well. And Veshram have been a really strong defensive team. Uh, just 240 goals conceded over their nine games that's the second best in the competition but Valipau I was expecting big things from hasn't really lit it up and uh, Yahia Eldara I, I was really hoping I was wishing to see him at his best and I don't think he's settled yet I'm not too worried about either yet but it is just interesting that Veshram have been able to continue at a high level despite kind of using their old team yeah I mean, with Vilipau it's not like the it's not the setup that he had before right because in Meshkov Brest he was the guy who needed to score kind of a bit like uh, he needs to kind of transform himself beyond the right wing position because they needed him a lot more uh, than the right hand side to be involved we know that's not the case with Vesprem your job as a wing with Vesprem is to run Run, run, run. Sometimes you get the ball. Sometimes you'll you'll play half the game. Then Gaspar Margut will come on and he'll get the ball four times, and, and that's just the way it is. And I think so with him and and Bjarki Elison out in the left wing. It's it's hard to 
it's hard to really put a uh, like a minimum needed to show what a good performance from them is. If if you look at their stats and and they were like fifty percent scoring from the wing, then maybe you could say okay they're not settling in. But uh, I think from what Vesper require of these players, they uh, yeah it it can't really be defined on uh, what they've done with their old teams, where both of them were really star players. It is a little bit of a worrying sign for me. Uh, the low scoring numbers from all of their wingers, which um, I think basically translates to Veshprem's slow p- play. They haven't been an offensive juggernaut in the competition so far. They've really built their kind of winning uh, mentality from their defense. That's worked really well, but overall they haven't been scoring as much as you would hope and not playing in this like lightning fast handball that we've seen across the competition so far we've seen just teams fly through the middle with the new um uh, free throw rule as well and that's that's caused this insane hurricane of a game Vesham have kind of gone the other way and are a little bit slower and i do worry if that will catch up to them you know when they start playing the teams on the other side who are lightning fast uh, what's going to happen to them it might work but it might not so that's that's a question i have around them and i, ga- I gave them a b um overall primarily because of the loss to zagreb yeah i'm gonna go for a, a b as well a what a b a b a b a b an a b no just a b and maybe one last thing about uh Valipau before we we move on is I actually just love him. I, I, I follow Veshram on Instagram and I follow all their stuff, but he is one of these like workaholics. He is, uh, there's like, he does all these mad things like shooting with goggles that obstruct your vision. Ah. And he does these drills and like all of this real insane kind of personal work he puts in. Um, which is great because Kenton Maia is another player who's exactly like that. And those two have hit it off and they're just doing crazy stuff together uh, on a personal level. Um, and it's just been really funny, uh, to watch that. And I think it's, uh, I don't know how much, uh, goggles that obstruct your vision actually help, but it's, uh, you know, he puts in the work anyway. Where's this? See, who oh, I was goalkeepers that were using it, right? Mm-hmm. As well, I think that was the first wave of this this goggles thing with goalkeepers because then they they saw less and they still had to make the saves. Interesting that uh, that he's using it in the wing. Magdeburg, Magdeburg, uh, you're a big fan of Magdeburg. Yes, well, you know they've uh, now that they finally won the league. I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> old news. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, been an interesting. Uh, kind of experiment for them i think we spoke about it uh not on the podcast before um about bennett Vigor talking on the intensity of the games in the champions league and uh with having so many big games now kind of week in week out that that might have an effect or that seems to be having an effect on the crowd um and on the players i think for magdeburg though that they're doing pretty much as i expected them to do you know i didn't think they would storm through anything i think they are looking at this season as a a bit of a test in how to manage both domestically and in the champions league as we're saying in the bundesliga it's really tough at the top at the moment they've done all right they've lost a couple of big games and the same here in the the champions league as well losing to Gyogi, 
in a last second mm. shot losing to PSG which is kind of expected but overall I think they've they've done pretty much what I what I anticipated before so uh, for my my rating for them is a B minus mm. um nothing it's kind of a bit better than average but kind of what you expect from a a team like that I didn't think they'd be uh they'd be challenging a bit like you often see with Flensburg I, d- I, d- I don't know I, but like they're, they're Bundesliga champions mm. you know we we can't just look at them as mm. kind of newcomers that plucky underdogs that have come into this competition they're Bundesliga champions I think they should be compared against how we would look at Kiel or Flensburg and they're, and they're doing better than Kiel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that that's for sure but I I, I think uh, I've been a little bit disappointed because they they have lost the the big games. Mm. They haven't um, really been able to transfer their success from Bundesliga directly to Champions League. I, I I think you have a good point about you know they're still figuring it out, but they're a very impressive team, and I think they should be doing better than twelve points in the competition so far. Kind of taking out the minnows uh, at the bottom. Uh, so I, I gave them just a C, actually. So uh, a little bit disappointing kind of average performance from a team I think should be doing better, at least picking up, you know, more from the bigger teams in their group. But their Icelandic duo has just been insane. Brian, tell us more about the Icelandic Isn't duo. That right, Brian? <laughs> no, I just said it was in my notes here. Exactly. I think Magnuson and, and uh, Christiansen here just the most exciting mix I think uh, of players in handball at the moment so uh, as you tweeted out Alex for that world championship coming up in January uh, that's that's a very exciting uh, two very exciting players who are in great form at the moment and so they're probably the two big highlights uh, of Magdeburg's performance uh, this season domestically and in Europe so far Um, but I gave them a C plus because on the one hand Yes, you have to get used to the Champions League. And on the other hand, oh, God love you, getting used to the Champions League, you know? You might not be there next year. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> you might not be there next year. That's that's the point, though. They have to find the balance between, you know, excelling over the long run in Champions League and Bundesliga because maybe they realise that that is a real danger, that they mm. could do well in the Champions League and also finish third in the Bundesliga. And then they're... Back to the European League next season, yeah. And I, I'm. It's one of these things. I think only when we look back at it, if we look back at it, to see whether there's a real plan in place. Because I think there is. Looking at the team, I've seen them more in the Bundesliga than I've seen in the Champions League this season. <clears throat> but it seems to be uh, players have very uh, uh, different roles as well in the two competitions. Like in particular with uh, with the likes of O'Sullivan and Bezjak who are purely defenders in the mm. Bundesliga. And I don't know if they're just being... I mean, in the past, they've been used a little more in both ways. Um, but they, they seem to be holding on to players uh, to only use them in the attack. The same with um, with Kai, uh, Kai Smits not playing so much in the Bundesliga, except when it's, it's really necessary. He's come in a few times and done well. And uh, Damgaard as well hasn't really come into this season yet. He, he was a player who was basically kept on the bench for the first uh, seven, eight games of the season as he was coming back to full fitness. So I think he's he's trying to, Benavigert, this is, and Magdeburg as a whole, are trying to use the 
team in a certain way to uh, ration them between the two competitions. So mm. uh, maybe that's just the way he wants to use them for all, the whole season. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see as it goes on. Yeah, get over yourself, like, do you know? Just play some handball. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so what did, what did you give them, Alex? <coughs> uh, I gave him a C. Okay. C plus for me. And, and you were a B minus. Okay, good. Dynamo. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Let's talk about it first before we give our grades. I think when you look at the squad that they have, when they're doing the double over Potsk, I think it really cemented them that they really belong in this league when you're beating a team like that who were so impressive in the European League mm-hmm. so long. And a team that other people have said, yeah, they should be in the Champions League. And when you do the double over them, I think you really are cementing your name in the Champions League that you do belong here. Falling just short against Vesprem, lost by three, drew with Gog and lost by only two to uh, Magdeburg. And when your best player is Ali Zayn, who's a good player, I think it just shows you how well uh, Xavi Pascal has done with this squad. I think they've really overperformed. Can they do it for the whole season? Probably not, but I think they've had some really, really good performances so far. I'm really happy for Ali Zayn. I think he, you know, in Barca he was used the way he was needed, but seeing him play for Egypt, I think I spoke about it maybe last season when he was with Barca, based on seeing him for Egypt, I was expecting a little more of him to be used in a different way. That wasn't the case. It worked out fine. But now he's getting to really show the player he is at this level. So I'm really delighted for him uh, that he's he's producing what he's doing with mm. Dinamo. And it is really interesting because they I didn't think they would be doing as well again. Even though the, the team had gotten better, I didn't expect nine points at the halfway mark. How much do you attribute all of this to Xavi Pascual? Almost all of it, because I don't think I don't think those players I don't think those players would be there without him in the no. first place. Yeah, you know now, what I mean. I mean, you look at the squads. You look at the squads above and below them in the table. Look at Magdeburg squad. Mm-hmm. Almost all their players would walk into the first team uh, in Dynamo, and the team then just below them, um, Gog. I think have a lot more talent in their squad as well. So I think they definitely are overperforming. And when a team like that is overperforming, I think you have to give the credit to uh, to Pascal. Who, who apparently is uh, moving on? Yeah, apparently is uh, favorite to take over PSG. Raúl González. Yeah, so really to, interesting. Raúl González going to Seged. Pascal going to PSG. And does that mean that Pastor goes to Bucharest? I, I don't <laughs> think so. <don't> know. <laughs> hey, it would make sense. It's a little bit of a pity if that does happen. If Xavi Pascal does leave this uh, project as mm. it's just coming to fruition. Um, I think there was parts of it about kind of the Romanian national team kind of building with Xavi Pascal as well. Yeah. So I, I think it would be a pity if if he left. But yeah, I, I gave them a B because I, I think they've done a really good job. B plus for me. I give it A minus just for the squad that they have yeah. and how unexpected uh, it's been. If they had three points, you'd be like, yeah, okay. But nine is, I think, for the squad they have. And I think it's fair to say that They've overperformed, so I think that they they have a good squad. They have a good squad. I ah, think you know yeah. they have some big players in there. It, it, it is, but it's, it's kind I of like, like a, Mamdu on the line, yeah. Bokan, Gorbindo, experienced. Um, Lazar Kukic is for me. It's a, a very European player. league squad, and they're playing out of their socks. Like, yeah, you know? fair, fair enough. It's kind, it's kind of team Alex would put together. And, you know, I think there's a bit of uh, you know you're getting players there that are. Kind of the, the sum of the parts is greater than the individuals mm. with uh, a lot of these players buying into the pro- uh, the project. All right. Talk about GOG. 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 
Um, maybe Alex, you can start with this since they're your bread and butter. I just, I love them. I love them so much. <laughs> they're so fun. Watching their games against uh, Magdeburg has just been the highlight of my season so far because it's this, you know, we talk about this new dynamic fast handball, a little bit small ball style. Um, it's it's just lightning fast. And they they play this really fun type of handball, which is reminiscent to like the old French teams. You know, when a player kind of breaks into space, jumps up, and then like while they're in the air, they kind of make a decision of what happens. And it's there's a lot of off-ball movement. So it's usually one of the backcourt players, Pudlake, Morton Olson, and Madsen. And they basically like someone makes a move at full speed and in the air or in a dynamic movement, there's just players running off the ball, whether it's kind of behind a defender that's stepped out, whether it, the winger is making space for himself. The line is really active. So Lucas Jorgensen has been a real revelation on the line as well. And he's but watching those two games against Magdeburg is just this so much movement, so much dynamism that it's it's amazing. And this is a team that lost all of their best players last <laughs> last year. It's it's crazy, you know. Hal Grimson, Giesel, Bergendahl, you know, they just pumped these young Danish talents into the squad. Said, "Here you go, twenty-one-year-old Simon Pitlick. This is your team." And he's ridden, risen to that occasion, uh, and it's just been a joy to watch. You have some ages there, Brian. Yeah. So uh, Pitlick is. 21 years old, 52 goals, not bad. Oscar Rasmussen, 22 years old, 26 goals. Madsen, 21, 49 goals. And Lucas Jorgensen, I'd like we need another Jorgensen in handball, uh, 23 <laughs> years old with 40 goals. So that is just really, really incredible. I think none of us, we talked about this in the, in the preview of the season that we didn't expect much. And it's going to be a very, very hard season for this, uh, Gio Gay team. Um, but that, that conveyor belt of talent, I think has surprised a lot of people. And it's uh, a joy to behold. It, it is really like when you're talking about the uh, the movement off the ball when players in the air, like the French style. It is something that has been lost a little bit, um, and I think teams and defenses are, are quite used to seeing when a player is going up because it is also if you're not able to do it, you know. Let's talk about the level we played at. You know, <laughs> one of the, the you're sacred, not allowed to. sacred rules is don't pass the ball, don't do a jump, jump and then pass. Just yeah. play the ball, right? And um, we're used to seeing, you know, if someone's going up, chances are, you know, the shooting or you know, two defenders come out and then they play the ball into the line, and then it's like a genius move. Is mm. Gear doing this nonstop? Like, there's absolutely two ways he can do it, and it's a nightmare for the defenses because if they step off, then they, they have the wherewithal to take the shot, but they're also looking for the, the movement, looking for the passes. So, uh, yeah, exciting times with Gheorghe. I'd like to see them, you know, get a decent group finish here and then really challenge someone in the playoffs because I think they, they can really make someone uh, in that uh, other group sweat in the knockout rounds. Yeah, for, for as much as we're singing their, their laurels here, singing their laurels, praising their laurels. Uh, singing their praises. Singing their praises. Uh, resting on your laurels. <laughs> oh my god, I'm all confused. Uh, but they still are fifth in the group, and I think that young aspect of the the squad probably can be their downfall because they've been in a lot of games as well. But then, 
right at the end then kind of falling short so I think it, it, the experience they lack probably is probably one of their negatives they've all, uh, the back-to-back games were against PSG right mm. so they've got them both out of the way now so yeah. that's, that's a good sign as well <laughs> yeah. that's uh, you know they, they have got uh, the top dogs out of the, the way at the moment uh, and they've also as opposed to Dynamo they've performed really well against the top teams they haven't quite got there and that's the kind I think that's the youth aspect to them but they've you know, they really put it up against PSG and they really put it up against Veshrem, weren't quite able to pinch those games. But it's something that I feel like they're growing into the competition and as it goes on, as it goes into the knockout stages, you know, anything can happen. Good. So I gave them, uh, because based on my expectations going into the season, I gave them a B minus okay. uh, because I thought like you could have easily thought at the start of the season they'd be sitting in the bottom two. Um, so B minus, maybe a bit generous, but I was a bit, I felt I was a bit more generous with Group A anyway, because I felt like a lot of teams in here did perform well. I'm a bit, a bit harder on Group B as you see later. I have a feeling Alex is going to be even more generous. <laughs> Alex? Yeah, your feeling is right. I gave him B plus. Um, and that's based on the way they've played as opposed to results exactly. I think I've just enjoyed watching their handball so much. So B plus. I'm a little more generous than you. Brian, a little less generous than Alex. Give them a B. We're pretty close with all these so far. This is pretty incredible. Actually, we haven't been only one time. We've had a different, or twice, different letter. Otherwise, we've all been like PSG, all A's, Veteran, all B's, Magdeburg. Different types. Yeah, different types of, uh, yeah. But uh, but I think the, the, uh, as you said, the group is just, has been a bit of a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to the other side, so uh, it's nice to be generous to these teams. We can we can only base it on what we're seeing so far. Płock in the back in the Champions League after a few seasons, I think uh, have been one of the strongest teams in the European League, getting to two finals, uh, two years, two seasons in a row. Uh, so it's good to see them back. I think they've been decent. Nico Medega has been a big loss for them in the backcourt. I think when you look when you were watching them last season. He was really their their motor in the backcourt, and you kind of never knew what he was going to do. Often, and he was he's a, he's a really dynamic player, and an incredible assister can also score goals as well. But he's Mister Inflight Goal, I think, is yeah. my association with him. <laughs> and his loss and his injury, he has played the season yet. I think has been a, a big a big uh, dent in their armor. I think it's been fairly okay for them, but they have they have missed him. I said big news with uh, Potsk as well is that they've. Uh, They've come to a, a seemingly mutual agreement to terminate the contract of their first-choice goalkeeper, Christian Pilipovic. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's gone. <laughs> and, uh, uh, apparently for some kind of personal reasons. Um, Everyone hates him. I, yeah, I mean, you, that's, yeah, your words, not mine. Uh, he, we've heard some from some people before he can... Well, also, I've trained with him before. He can be a bit of an arse. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, so he's left the club, which is interesting. And uh, we'll see if they're able to, to find a better goalkeeper in the middle of the season. They've also, um, so in kind of keeping with transfer news, Kosorotov going to uh, Veshbrem next season. That's going to be a big, big loss for him going forward. He's really impressed. 
in the competition so far. I'm pretty sure we we talked about this exact progress, right? <laughs> At one point, he was like, yeah, oh, he's going I to Bwatsk, yeah. then he goes to Vesprem. It's yeah. kind of like the... Uh, then who knows what happens after that. That'll be the real test for him. But, but, they, do, but yeah. they do generally have really some really likable players, I find. Mm-hmm. You know, this Bwatsk team. Like, I mean, we talked about Nico earlier. He's a very, very dynamic, likable player. Kozorotov is Alex's wet dream. Uh, <laughs> then you have players like uh, Tin Lucin as well. As a bit yeah, of a, I was just saying, you're, you're, cult your legend. best friend, your upcoming star. Uh, well, upcoming Tindu star, Chim. yeah. Uh, so, so they do have some, uh, and the Serbian winger, Mijic as well, I think is also uh, a player who brings it as well. So I think uh, at, at the time and of recording... And Zhitnikov is a, yes. a lovely, like, lovely guy as a well. Lovely man. Lovely, lovely handball player yes. as well. I did expect more from them. Yeah. Did, I, I think... You guys, it is also from the beginning, like the beginning of the season was quite positive then. It seemed mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, they're really, they're showing their, their wares here. They're, uh, they're able to mix it. And uh, yeah, we, we said that that double victory for Dinamo kind of showed that they belong. Yeah. Yeah. But it did the opposite for Potsk. Exactly. I mean, we kind of expected them to be where Dynamo are not, or Dinamo are right now. And it's kind of, they've kind of swapped roles to a certain extent. But it's still still a, a, a long way to go yet, so they might still bring it around. But I gave them a minus, a C minus. I went for a D plus. I went for a D plus as well, and I thought I was being uh, harsh uh, because I I want to look at Plotsk as a team that has beaten Kielce. You know, this is a team that in Poland mm-hmm. is right there with Kielce, and they beat them in the Super Cup coming into the season. So that kind of you know that's even without Mindegia. They, they were able to beat Kielsa. And I was really expecting them to, you know, really get into this competition. They have that European League experience as well, where they're playing top teams. And they just haven't. So uh, D plus for me. Yeah, I think when you when you put them side by side with Kielsa and you say they're the best, the second best team in Poland and how good Kielsa are, and then you look at the Pots team and you see them kind of struggling down there in sixth position, it does kind of put it a little bit into context of where our expectations were going in and where they are now on the table. So I think I'm maybe actually leaning, leaning more towards your your grades now than mine, but I'll, I'll keep it, I'll stick with uh, C- minus for the moment. Zagreb. Alex, you you're, you're someone who believed in them in the last year and a half. What do you make of them at the moment? They, they have a chance of getting through. Look at them. They're sitting there on five points. And they've beaten Veshprem. So, you know, the, anything can happen for this Zagreb team. I think they've exceeded expectations. No, I right? think you have to give give them a little bit of credit as well for like for ending that uh, losing streak. I think ha- you have to give them some credit to get yes. out of that because that's a serious rut to be in. And they were the laughing stock of the Champions League for quite some time now. And so to get out of that and then to beat Vesprem, I think you have to give them a, not a huge applause, a small applause maybe yeah. uh, for doing that. So I think I've given them a C minus. Because I felt like that they could have been bottom of the table right now, losing all their matches still, and the streak keeps on keeps on going. But they showed some gall to get out of that, some gall, some guts to get out of that, and uh, yeah, so not bad. And they have a good core as well with Musa, Dibrov, Chupic, uh, who else is in there? But I, I think on their team, I, I really would like to see more of their young players take a bigger role. And to be thrown in. So they have uh, Stefan Dodic, mm. who was the, I think he was the MVP of the under 21 world championship. Uh, a real star. And they really haven't given him too much of an opportunity. It is still a team that's laden with these kind of 
older players and they seem to be leaning on them a little bit and i think if they had the same approach as gay or gay and give the, you know there's also saba Lemeter who's been okay uh, in the competition so far and zvonimir uh, serna those those three players are they can be more uh, and especially just stefan dodic has the potential to be a superstar so I think they need to give him the reins a little bit more. And he's kind of growing into the season, but still, uh, I'd like to see more there. Uh, that's why I've given them a D plus here, because they have become the new Płock laden with owl boys who mm-hmm. were good for other teams. And, and they do... Uh, uh, what I want to see Zagreb do is what they did five, six years ago, was be the team that, kind of like Celia, but maybe to a lesser extent, that they promote some young players that every season you knew that Zagreb were going to come up with a few absolute gems out of the youth system that were going to show their uh, ability in the Champions League. And uh, yeah, I want to see more of that from them if they're going to be, I think, uh, a team that uh, are anything like they used to be in the past because, yes, they have some points on the board now, but I think they're they're still going to flatter to deceive for the, the names they have in the squad. Mm. Alex, what did you give them in the end? I gave him a C plus because I just had the lowest expectations for Zagreb, <laughs> okay. which they deserve for their performances over the last season. So uh, C plus for me. All right. Porto, uh, zero wins, one draw, uh, eight losses, F minus. Okay, Group B. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, it's been. I think for me, anyway, it kind of hurt this one a little bit. Mm. It was a, it was very disappointing because if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know how we are absolute um, lucifiles. Yes, we're just the biggest fanboys ever of Porto and Portuguese handball. Mm. And to see this happen, to see these dirty Scandinavians coming in and destroying <laughs> everything that Porto have worked for it's absolutely disgusting and then see poor Miguel Martins Miguel 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 Martins <laughs> up in Zegas can't throw a ball it's terrible what's going on bring him back get rid of those Scandies and we're back to normal you know you don't mess with the combination of these Portuguese players they can only play together on their own they're just very average but put together you know a decent team you know they can get some good, good results yeah. they can do a dynamo yeah I, I, you, you said all there is to be said I think of that mm. I mean there's uh, the balance the, the chemistry has been completely off kilter mm. and especially some of the players of not yesteryear but of past seasons who've, who've done really well especially on the wing I feel like their wing positions have been, have been pretty weak with uh, Branquinho and uh, Area yeah have, have been a lot quieter than we're used to um, so I think that's 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 been a shame. But uh, all those Scandies hugging the ball in the yeah. backcourt. Yeah, Pass but they, they they are getting better. They are getting better. Yeah. They, they might be figuring it out. They might be figuring it out too late. But in their last three games, they've got a two goal loss to PSG. They have a draw against Magdeburg, and a yeah a five goal loss against Magdeburg. But you know, maybe we're seeing this team gel a little bit. The Portuguese and the Scandinavians kind of figuring something out, but it's too late now. Well, never say never. F. They have to play the likes of Zagreb uh, and Płock and, and Gheorghe and like Dinamo. They're all teams that if they figure it out, there's no reason why they can't get points against. Yeah. And I think they probably expect more from a sign like Leso as well, who oh, yeah. uh, 14 goals. I mean, that's just not a good return. Yeah. 
He's been a real, real disappointment. So, uh, because there is that... They're also just really big and slow. <laughs> they're really big and slow. That's uh, especially in defense. I think they're missing some dynamism that they used to have in that defense. Yeah. Um, and Icharitsa, who I love, but in defensively, he's just... All these small players are just running around him. Yeah, and when you st- we still have Cruz in the backcourt as well. Um, how, how old is he now? 57? <laughs> I mean, you can't be relying on him forever. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been clever to bring some of that in to replace him uh, during the summer. But yeah. Because of the last few games, I've given them an E minus. Because I, I think they got the point, which saves them from an F. Mm-hmm. And, and there is like, a, yeah. On the bell, this bell curve of like B's and C's and and the odd D's. Is there such thing as an F plus? No. <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's a th- such thing as E minus either. But in we'll our scale, I give him an F plus. An F plus. Yeah, line plus code. just for the late flurry. <laughs> How about you, Alex? Straight F. Straight F. Yeah. Straight up. There you go. All right, we'll wrap it up for this part of the midterm evaluations. Group B coming in the next podcast. Give you a little bits and bobs before we let you go here today uh, last week I was in Barca for the uh, the game between Barca and Kiel and Victor Tomas got his uh, jersey retired at long last two and a half years after he announced his retirement and that was I don't know if you guys got to see the any of the clips yeah. of it but it was actually a very very nice ceremony it was and a, a very full arena which oh very, yeah which is very I mean, surprising for yeah <laughs> yeah that was so good to see it right? was great a lot of it just showed the love that the the handball community, probably beyond Barca as well, mm. beyond Barcelona, uh, had because a lot of people were were coming in for this game more than I've ever seen. Should have brought him on for a penalty though. Come on, like you know, I know he's not an extended squad, like, but surely he surely could have <laughs> yeah. fixed something. Like that know? would be nice. Yeah, or um, I'd let him take a penalty just like for old time's sake. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Throw someone in goal. But yeah, Hersvark he misses he misses, misses four in a row. Then oh god, sixty-seven titles with the club. Yeah. So he's lifted the trophy, a trophy, 67 times. That's really insane. Uh, three Champions Leagues there. Do you remember yeah. what he, during the year you did your best all-time uh, women's team? He's surely in contention, if not the winger of choice for the all-time greatest men's team. It's an interesting one. Yeah, we have to think about that. Let's think about he's, that. He's, okay. he, he, he's a player who, I think, a bit like Gudjon Valerie Sigurdsson, a player that wasn't the flashiest for a wing player, he just did did his fucking job. Yeah. You know, he got stuck in. He he threw his whatever weight about he, that he had, he threw it in there in defense. He was always a guy who had to get the first like punch in, basically, like mm. dig in mm. the first tackle. He led by example from for a winger. And yeah, I mean the the years of the club speak for itself. Eighteen years in the first team, eight of those as captain. Uh, another few years before that going through the the underage categories. And yeah, also considering how it ended for him because it was a heart abnormality mm. that was found that uh, meant his career had to come to an end. It was probably coming to an end, but that basically took it out of his hands. Uh, yeah, he'd been waiting for this a long time. Also because it wasn't sure whether he was actually going to get the jersey retired because of the... I mean, Alex knows the politics of Barca as a as a sports club more than any of us, but um, with the change in the, the president, uh, that wasn't a certainty and uh, I remember speaking to him once about that one because he was he works as a co-commentator for Catalan TV that he was a bit uh, bit frustrated a bit nervous about that so it's nice that it finally happened and uh, it definitely meant a lot to him as well you guys know about 
Steven Valencia. Without looking at my notes here, no. Brian. Also, no, I just saw the name. I literally just saw the name. I don't know. No, I've I've never heard yeah, of Steven <laughs> Valencia. Enlighten us. What would you if you were to to hear that name and think of sport, maybe even football? Where where do you think the where do you think you'd come from? Ecuador. Oh, it's a good guess. Venezuela. Close. Yeah, something something South yeah. American yeah. anyway. Because yeah. Steven Valencia. Colombia. Exactly. <laughs> he was born in Cali, Colombia, and at some point between his birth. And uh, now, in the last 22 years, he has moved to Reykjavik and is the star left wing for Valor. Mm. Is their joint top scorer in this season's European League with 31 goals. And is just like, he's dynamite. He's on the extended team for uh, Iceland for the World Championship as well. And I just feel bad for like... Colombia better start moving quickly if they want to get him on board because uh, it's just fantastic. I love seeing players like this from uh, born in non-handball countries like Colombia. Uh, Colombia could even be worse at handball than Ireland is. Mm. And yet here he is, Steven Valencia, doing the business. Looked up his Instagram account as well. He's a model. <laughs> he's got, he's everything got it all. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a move outside. So he's of, doing well in Iceland. Oh yeah, just very well. Doing very well in uh, Model, play, uh, professional handball player. Oh god, love him. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> top score for your team as well. But oh, but it's top scoring everywhere. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, Valor is a great story this season. I'm really happy to see an Icelandic team or in the in the European League in the group phase doing their thing. I think. Uh, we thought it might be a team like Selfoss because they were uh, making a bit waves with the players they were producing. But great to see that it's it's Valor and they're doing well. Yeah, uh, great to watch. Some great uh, players in the backcourt, especially some really really good young talent. Um, I've really enjoyed watching it. And uh, when I'm working my my shifts every Tuesday for the European League, um, yeah, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, but you know, this is just this is this Icelandic generation. It just keeps churning out talent. I, it's, there's a new one coming it's it's so exciting uh now that we're seeing even the icelandic clubs start performing uh, at a european level that, that'll, that'll be really good i think for them in, in the world championship as well having these players from valor because there will be some of them playing in the world championship who are getting this european experience uh, in there as well the old head of bjorgvin gustavsson and goal uh, quite an interesting pairing with gustavsson playing alongside motoki sakai from japan I don't know how they're doing it, but uh, Valor are uh, making making headlines in my mind anyway. I'm not reading these headlines anywhere, but they, they should be headlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who their scout is. Uh, he's going to be in demand. That's it. Looking at the, the squad here for Valor and this Magnus Oli Magnusson, and he looks awful like the Magnusson we know as well. And I was thinking maybe they're relatives, but then again, everyone's relatives in, in Iceland. Don't they have that? They have that app. <laughs> they do have the app that you can yeah. check if you're outdating someone. You can check if you're, or everyone's pretty much related, but that you're not too closely related. Yeah. So you're only seventh cousins or something like that. So it's okay. So it's okay. You know. Which is why it's great to, uh, in Stephen Valencia's case, or anyone else who happens to be in Iceland at a given time, uh, to not be related to, to anyone. Well, outside the gene pool. Yeah. Then you're you're a shoe in yes. for a good time. <laughs> All right, all right. On that After bombshell. today's dating tips, that's <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, we'll wrap it up for this one. Uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly with another podcast looking at the midterm grades for Group B. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.